Hey y'all, it is Phoenix Kalita here to talk about some sex worker rights stories and whatnot and what have you because sex workers need a voice and because sex worker news matters. And, you know, as always, the goal of this podcast is to talk about the trials and tribulations, the problems, the hurdles that sex workers face, as well as talking about the best way to help sex workers. So, um, and then just addressing sex worker news because I feel like a lot of it in the media is not covered often enough and the the stories that are covered are not fucking covered well so um all right this first story is off the wilmette week a uh, student at an oregon community college says her instructors flunked her for being a porn actress so she is suing and this could be the first time a plaintiff has used uh, the title nine to make an accusation of discrimination based on a person's status as a current or former sex worker so i'm very interested in this uh, last June 8th, Nicole Gilliand was in her car beside an abandoned house in Lakeside, Oregon, waiting to die. She'd taken 27 Ambien. Holy shit. Okay, I did not know it was going to start off this dark, y'all. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I did not know it was going to start off like this. Okay, well, I will make sure and put a trigger warning at the beginning. Holy shit. All right, so she'd taken 27 Ambien and for good measure shot up what she thought was three bags of heroin. Her years of work as a paramedic had taught her taken her to more than a few overdose scenes and she figured it seemed as good a way to go as any i understand now she says what a person is thinking is in that moment they're thinking they're doing their loved ones a favor 13 hours after taking the drugs she woke up sick the heroin it turned out had been cut with meth so it didn't kill her the 31 year old mother of two had been doing well as a nursing student at southwestern oregon community college in coos bay She was making the dean's list and was about a year from graduating. But then it all fell apart early last year when Jillian claims, I think Gillillian, I might might not be saying her name right. There's two sets of L's in it. Uh, Claims that the college decided to run her out of school after it found out she used to perform in porn. This February, she filed a lawsuit against the school and some of its personnel, charging them with breach of contract, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and subjecting subjecting her to a hostile educational environment. Experts say the lawsuit in a remote corner of Oregon could be the first time a plaintiff has used a plaintiff has used Title IX to make an accusation of discrimination based on a person's status as a current or former sex worker. A woman doesn't have to have worked in the sex industry to know her own sexuality can be weaponized against her. Her future can be threatened by as little as a leaked topless selfie. Is if being fired for that is a form of gender discrimination? What about harassment based on having done sex work? Jalilin's suit will test whether the law, especially Title IX, protects sex workers from discrimination. Yeah, this is very interesting. So Southwestern Oregon Community College is one of the largest employers in Coos County, a royal stretch of the a rural stretch of the Oregon coast about 200 miles south of Portland, where the logging industry once provided jobs. The area's conservative reputation was reforced in 2018, the way the community rallied around a public high school principal after the ACLU filed suit against him for discriminating against his LGTB students and making them read the Bible as punishment. That's fucked up. Um, the evidence that Gilliland has that her instructors treated her differently because they learned of her past work based on subtle comments uh, by them and the accounting of her timeline. She and her ex-husband say the school was tipped off by a vindictive family member. Why do people have to be such assholes to sex workers for no reason? Uh, none of them said anything overt to her about her former job. Gilliland, who moved to Coos Bay from Utah in t- 
2016, so conservative to conservative, says the harassment started when assignments from her nursing instructor, Melissa Sperry, never showed up in her online homework account. Assignments didn't show up at all or showed up and then disappeared. Glowin thought this might be a computer glitch, but she began to think differently after Sperry accused her of plagiarism on class assignments. Glowin claims before her grades started falling, Sperry made a weird comment about what kind of classy woman it would take to be a nurse, and unclassy women shouldn't be nurses. It was then that Galilland, who was born in Utah and grew up in Oregon and Montana, thought the issue might have been her uh, career as a, main star porn, as a mainstream porn performer between the ages of 19 and 21. Although she left, uh, after she left the industry, she moved to Utah for a fresh start and became a paramedic. She returned to Oregon in 2016, hoping to become a nurse, but the problems with Sperry threatened to derail her degree. When she went to nursing program director Susan Walker to show how Sperry had changed the terms of her assignments after the fact, she claimed she didn't get much help. Shortly thereafter, Walker accused Gilliland of being unsafe in clinical settings. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Uh, complaints to top school administrators went nowhere. In June, she and her husband, Damon, who have been married since when, who got married when she was 27, had a blowout fight and separated. That was the day she began planning to take her own life. When she woke up in the hospital, she started panicking about final exams. Three, day, three days later, Jalilin dragged herself to class and scored an 89% on her last test. Damn. Well, that's dedication, man. But that didn't stop her from flunking out of school, she says, uh, because Sperry once again manipulated her grades. She hired an attorney, Steve Baldwin, who filed a tort claim against the college at the end of July. Jalilin knew that filing a, a lawsuit alleging discrimination based on her previous work in the porn industry would definitely out her in the community of Coos Bay. But I don't regret what I did, I don't regret any of it, and I don't think I should have to, she says. And so I think it's good to bring attention to this because your life shouldn't be over because you were a sex worker. Her current attorney, Kevin Brake, has litig litigated numerous Title IX cases in Oregon. While he hasn't come across any others that have included an allegation that the discrimination was uh, based on a woman's previous work in the sex industry, he says that's clearly what happened in Gilliland's case. What we're alleging is, once the college found out about my client's prior work, they began orchestrating her departure from the college, and that's a violation of school policy, and because it's based on my client's status as a former sex worker or the porn industry, that gives rise to implicating Title IX. It is discrimination based on her gender and her former sex as a former worker in that industry. I am uh, very interested to see where this goes. Like, this is obviously still, like, super, super early stages, but... Yeah, I want to fucking follow up with this one. Um, and I like that, like, the last line of this is that um, since she got kicked out of uh, nursing school, her new plan is to go to law school. Yes, sis, do that. Please do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I have, this is off BBC website. Um, a Norwegian businessman behind a millionaire dating site has been handed a six-month sentence for promoting prostitution. What the fuck? Alright, so a court in Belgium handed the sentence to Sigurd Vidal, the investor behind Rich Meat Beautiful, which connects wealthy older men to young women. Mr. Vidal was personally fined uh, 24,000 pounds, wait, and his company 207,000 pounds. The site caused a scandal in 2017 after advertising sugar daddies to Belgian university students. Mobile billboards from the uh, company toured areas near the Free University of Brussels, encouraging students to register for the service for financial gain. Alongside sexualized imagery, the ads invited students to improve your lifestyle or have a zero-euro student loan by dating a sugar daddy, a term for older, wealthy men interested in meeting younger women. 
Similar advertisements caused an uproar in France where they advertised romance, passion, and no student loans. Nigga, I'm in. <laughs> Somebody pay my student loans, please. Mr. Vidal is accused of aggravated pimping. So put, hosting a sugar baby website is aggravated pimping. A website that sex work, And that's the shit, right? Because pimping is supposed to be what? Like you're coercing somebody into it and then taking their money. But if they're signing up to a website out of, for their, out of their own fucking free will and they're meeting up with people in person, not on, like, the website isn't the one getting paid. You're getting paid because you are the sugar baby. But this is pimping. You see how these fucking trafficking laws, man? Man. In the Belgian case, the university complained to police who seized the billboards and charged Vidal with incitement to debauchery and prostitution. He maintained he and his company were only trying to facilitate unusual dating. Yeah. In April, his trial was underway. He told the court he would not mind his daughter registering for the site if she wants to and if she wants to start a real relationship. Yeah, well, woke dad. All right. Prosecutors, however, said the site's purpose is clear. Even if weasel words were used, everyone knew what it was about, the prosecutor told the court. There are half-dressed women on the site and there are no photos of couples in a restaurant. Wait, so it's pimping because they don't show people eating out at a restaurant? Nigga, come on now. Uh, students are reduced to sexual objects that must undress for money. Won't fucking make shit free then, nigga. <laughs> the Belgian version of Rich Meat Beautiful has been blocked from within the country where the case is ongoing and the court ordered the website to remain closed. <laughs> shit. That is some uh, fucking fear-mongering panic bullshit for the ass. Man. All right. <clears throat> Unreal. Sorry, I had to take a sneeze break again. Okay. And this is my last story. This is uh, from India. It's a very long article, so I'm going to kind of like skim a little bit because I actually have shit I have to get done today. <laughs> I can't have time for the whole article. Um, but this is about um, sex workers voting in India, noting that almost 2 million sex workers won't be voting in the largest election despite having important policy concerns. How can India fix this? Sex workers are the missing voice in India's elections, right? And of course, this is like one of those... Um, I don't know if editorialized or, like, a very, like, personal narrative type story. So it's got, like, it's not like a news story. It's got all the details, right? Like, from the ground level, the Garston Bastion Road looks like any other bustling commercial state in Delhi, New Delhi, the capital of India. The, it's lined with vendors selling fresh fruits, cold drinks, rickshaw drivers waiting for customers. But by night, it's something entirely different. It's, bus it's a bustling market for sex work. The upper levels of multi-storied buildings host an extensive network of brothels. Brothels. Bravos, bravos, bravas. <laughs> I walk into one of the rooms on the second floor, painted bright blue, where I'm welcomed by a group of women whose age ages range from early 20s to mid-50s. India is undertaking a seven-phase general election that started on April 11th and ends on May 19th. It's the largest democratic election in the world with almost 900 million eligible voters. So far, the usual issues have dominated, including recent India-Pakistan tensions and a growing jobs crisis. However, many Indian women, including sex workers I meet on Garston Bastion Road, want another issue to be highlighted, women's rights and sexual autonomy. Women voters are a key are a key but missing part of this election, poll experts uh, Pranoy Roy and Dorab, oh my goodness, I'm going to totally nail this name, uh, Dorab Soparwiala, shit, <laughs> Sopariwala, I'm going to go with that. 
uh, estimate that there are nearly 21 million missing women voters in India, including women who are not registered to vote or permitted to vote. Although women's voter enrollment has steadily improved over the years, there is still some social resistance to women voting, particularly in rural areas. Um, and then they have a quote here. Sex workers have policy concerns that go simply beyond themselves. They, in fact, uh, they, in fact, these policies impact their children and the welfare of their communities. A decade ago, the Indian Ministry of Child Welfare Development estimated there's around 3 million sex workers in India, including almost 2 million who are eligible to vote but do not. The act of selling uh, sex in, is legal in India as long as it's performed in private spaces. Organized sex through pimping, brothels, or prostitution rings is illegal. Okay. I mean, you would think a brothel is like a private place, right? Okay, I guess not. <clears throat> Sex workers have policy concerns. Um, the women I meet in the brothel told me about some of the issues important to them, including police uh, police brutality, false, fa false allegations filed against them, abduction and violence committed by their clients, access to education and infrastructure issues, such as working streetlights on roads where they work at night. Tripti Tandon is the deputy director of the Lawyers Collective, one of the oldest human rights organizations in India that focuses on rights of women, sex workers, and LGBTQ individuals. She acknowledged that the systems in systemic and societal barriers impede the representation of certain marginalized groups. Politicians may be willing to talk to sex workers behind closed doors, but may not speak up in public on their behalf due to the stigma associated with prostitution. There it is vital that sex workers bring issues that uniquely impact their community to the forefront and fight for their own rights. Tandon believes there are many ways sex workers can fight for their own rights. There's always the judicial route. You can file petitions. You can file public interest litigations to draw attention to any specific concern you have as a community or if you have any grievance. For instance, if a child faces discrimination at school because his mother is a sex worker, one could deem it discrimination based on place of birth, which is prohibited under the Constitution. Um, sex workers can also reach out to local politicians, such as members of parliament and members of the Legislative Assembly, to meet them regularly and tell their representatives about their political concerns. All of this does matter, says Tandon. It may not produce immediate results, but it builds up in the long run. However, for the strategy to su succeed, sex workers have to be politically engaged and vote regularly on local elections before, uh, because ultimately, politicians will pay more attention to constituents they can count to get to the polls. Yeah. Um, while both parties, does it say the name of the parties here? The, uh, whoo, bar, uh, man, the BJP party and the Congress party. I'm just going to go with those because I can't say the name of the other one. Both parties have uh, addressed broad issues that are important to sex workers, such as police reform, curbing poverty in both urban and rural settings, and increasing spending on education and prioritizing women's security. There was no specific mention of any initiatives or programs to help sex workers. That being said, Tandon points out, both parties address the undue, often unchecked power and autonomy police and investigatory agencies have, power that is sometimes used to silence sex workers who make uh, complaints public. Changing the narrative around sex work at an international level will be difficult because these women face incredible stigma due to religious and moral judgments and the widespread misconception that sex work is not legitimate work. However, through political mobilization and consistent voting, sex workers can, can contribute to closing the gender gap. Wow, check me out with this sentence. Sex workers can contribute to closing the gender gap that plagues our national election while also allowing them to put pressure on local and national governments and create tangible changes in their favor. Ultimately, it is up to the sex worker com community to decide if they want to mobilize solely on issues that directly involve their line of work or whether they should perhaps join a larger group of marginalized people whose identities have prevented them from accessing the same social, political, and economic security systems. 
So yeah, that's uh, wild. Like two million sex workers who I, I just would like to know how much that would influence a vote, you know? I think that's very interesting. And it would be cool, you know, I mean, sex workers in India already do a lot, right? They have uh, done mass protesting and mass organizing. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they, um, like, where their activism is headed next, you know? Because I think everyone's activism is maybe a little bit different based on geographic location and timing, right? So, yeah, just um, note that people are observing sex workers in India aren't voting and that is impacting policy. So, yeah, I just wanted to cover that. I thought it was interesting and relevant to the <laughs> point of this whole show, right? Sex worker news. So, all right, that is all I have here for this. I am out of here. Um, please try to have the best day you possibly can. And if you like what we do, feel free to hit to hit us up on patreon.com slash wine cellar media fund, or you can hit us up on paypal.me slash Phoenix and William. I have to go do laundry and it's going to suck. All right, I'm out of here, y'all.